rejection. Everyone hates rejection. Myself included. I mean, nobody likes getting rejected. I don't think I've ever met anybody that's just completely okay and willing and and happy to be rejected. Whether it's romantically, from a client, someone at work, especially if it's in a public setting. Right? Imagine, right? Large-scale rejection. This is stuff that people have nightmares about. What happens when you flip the script on rejection, though? Like, imagine if you just stopped caring about rejection, or if you redesigned what rejection meant for you. Just imagine what would be possible. I mean, it it's kind of not even calculable. So, in order to really find out how to do that, or even where you'd start... This podcast is a great place to start. We talk about all the different ways that you can maybe start to work towards a different point of view on rejection. And I think this, like I said at the end of this podcast, this is my favorite episode that we've ever done. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Weekly Call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got Amro out here in Etobicoke, Ontario. What up? Obatokes. Obatokes. We got John out in Kelowna, BC. How are you, John? Yeah, pretty content. Okay, great. <laughs> and uh, I wish, you know, we got to start releasing the video version of this podcast because Amher is just... I don't Boys, know I got a goddamn got, story for you. Yeah, he's got uh, some interest. Uh, he's he's got to let something escape from his uh, from his head here. What's going on, I man? got a story for you. You look like you're on the edge of your seat. Yeah, I got, I got to share, man. So uh, uh, last Saturday, I uh, I decided to put myself out there and go on a date, you know? Oh, wow. A, a pretty pretty rare event. And I was like, hey, you know what? Seems, why not? You know, I'll give this a shot. So I'll give you a little bit of a backstory. So I was invited on as a, uh, as a guest judge on this online sorority baking competition. So you already know the amazingness that will oh, ensue on sorry. something like an online baking competition. I just want to make sure I got that. Yeah, I was invited on as a judge, you know. My uh, my charm and quick-wittedness uh, was required okay. at this event. Okay, yeah, jeez. So I do the charity thing, you know, goes well. Right after, uh, some girl from the, the, the charity event adds me on Instagram. I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. She's pretty cute, whatever. Uh, and so we talk, and it's going it's going pretty good. And this sort of it's one of the rare events where I'm just like, oh, like this is a person that I find, you know, pretty interesting, pretty unique individual, uh, you know, worth exploring, you know, a potential friendship 
of any right. sort. So it goes so well on that on on the DMs that we set up a date for like for the weekend, which is pretty rare, right? So like, okay, I think nothing of it. But I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm usually just gonna put these things on the side. I'm actually gonna try. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try for this one. I'm just gonna put in an effort and see what happens. You know. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So uh, it gets set up, and uh, I'm gonna go pick her up. And I'm like, you know what? I look at my closet. And I'm like, you know, I don't think I'm, you know, as uh, I don't have the right outfit for this. So, uh, or I don't have a car either. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna borrow my mom's car. I'm gonna borrow my brother's Canada Goose jacket. You know, just just at least put in a little, a little effort. And yeah, I know John's face. <laughs> Uh, exactly yeah (laughs) but whatever you know so i pick her up turns out she's not a catfish so we're on a great start already you know i got a couple of stories on you would have already seen her on the online baking event right Uh, yeah well yeah i've seen her but like people on zoom can look very different you know right 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 so who you know i'm putting myself it could be a murderer i don't know you know it could have been a setup yeah you really uh yeah you got by by the skin on your teeth there you could have gotten shot very dangerous you know very dangerous so, you know, we go, it's actually going pretty good. You know, the day we drive around and, and we go to, to this restaurant, great energy, great gal overall. And uh, the first mistake that I think was uh, I, we were just talking and I, and I mentioned, uh, I didn't know it was her, her, her best friend at the time, but uh, there was another girl that I asked for her number like ages ago. Some girl from BC who likes pickles and country music, you know, some, some blonde chick. She's pretty cool. And it turns out they were best friends. And so right away, <laughs> she's like... Pickles and country music. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, dangerous combo. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, whatever, you know. And then uh, we finished... Wait, it. sorry, hold on. You, hold on, you glossed over that. You would, you're on a date with a girl. Yeah, I know. And you yeah. mentioned to her yeah. that you'd asked her another girl's number. It was her best friend as well. And yeah. it was her best friend. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. I just want to get that right. Okay. Yeah, the artist seduction, Robert Green, purchasing now, you know. Um, so... <laughs> So the date's going fine, but it's like, you know, I don't know. The, I, I, I think I was being myself, but like, she was kind of, you know, I don't know what it was. It's like we had so much in common, except like the actual energy. I feel like we're different energies. You know, it's just sometimes like no, no matter what, you're just different, different scales with different people. But right. still, we're still having fun. And then, you know, we, we drive, we walk around, it's freezing cold. So we like go for a drive. And uh, that goes pretty pretty good as well. Everything's going fine. As, as long, like just that little mistake from sitting down. I, don't know, I call it a little mistake, whatever. And then now it's time to drive her home, you know. And you know, there's this golden rule that I was taught. It's like you know, if you're on a on a first date, uh, and you got to make the first move, you got to do it like at least halfway in. You can't wait till the very end because then there's a lot of pressure and it just becomes awkward and just the weird expectations. But boys, there was no opportunity. It was too damn cold. You know, my go-to spot that I kind of make a move, it was just like too freezing cold. I was about to start to shiver. You know, nobody wants a shivering man. So I'm like, okay, let's get out of here. So we're driving back and uh, and I'm, I'm dropping her off at her friend's place. And, you know, the clock's ticking, you know, and ABBA is playing on the music. We're rocking to some ABBA. We're singing out loud, you know. And, you know, we, we park and I'm like, all right, you know, at this point, y- y- there's only one way to find out 
if this girl is into you or not. You just you just got to make the move, right? You you oh. just got to let them hang. And you got to make a move. You know, shoot or shoot. You miss 100% of shots you don't take. So I'm like, all right, time to bring out the big guns. And I bring out the move. You know, it's 13 for 13 on the field. So, you know, please, God, old bless, a, bless us with what the move is. Uh, no way. There's no way I'm exposing my move. It'll oh, lose all my. its all its value by telling it. But it, well, listen, listen to this. It, listen, listen. <laughs> so, you know, at this point, I'm like, all right, this is it. You know, time stops. And, like, you know, we, we park. And I get out of the car and I see a dude on the other side of the street. He's just like cold and walking alone. And in my head, I'm like, look at that dude all alone. And I'm here, you know, with this with this gal. Poor guy, you know. So I go go around the car and I'm like, just so confident, you know. That's that's just so confident. And I go around the car and then I try to go for the for the move. Failed. Just to clarify. Miserably. Just to clarify. So you yeah, you so like you, you you're in the car, you're like, hey, I'm gonna go get the door for you. <laughs> no, not even that. Like her friend was about to come, so I wanted to give her a hug, just like the sideways hug on like the the indoor, just didn't didn't make sense. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get out the car. Okay, yeah, the sideways hug on the it's inside just, of the car didn't weird. make sense. It's just okay, just I, weird. Okay, I, I agree just with weird. you there. I, I agree know. with you there. Yeah, so Austin's with me. So I get out yeah. the car. I'm like confident. Go for the move. Fails miserably. And I really wish till this day she just would have slapped me. I would have felt so much better. But she was just not feeling it. And I'm like, hey, you know what? We got our data set. You know, we took the, we take. We the got other. our data set. <laughs> we got our data set. It. You know, <laughs> she's not the one. We're, there's no compatibility. Oh. Whatever. You know, you move it's on. It's making me uncomfortable in my seat. It, you should, this. man. You should. You know. And, and, and this I, is amazing. And I drive off, and I just take the L, right? Right. And I'm like, oh, what, what? What went wrong? You know, this is my entrepreneurial in me because I'm pretty. You know, I got to find out. Well, how can I improve? And, you know, just between us, the sort of uh, the date pattern of what we like, like the restaurant and we like got dessert and the sure. walk, like that's kind of like my routine. Right. So it, it works. But this time it just didn't work. Right. So I'm like, ah, oh, what the fuck? I don't know what went wrong. And I never find out what's wrong. And, um, you know, she she texts me. and I'm like, oh, OK, maybe there's something there. Text her back. But it was apparent. She just ghosts me and we took the L. Right. But here's where the story gets interesting. So a couple of days go by and I'm like, fuck, you know what? I'm not, I'm not being as productive. I'm like, shit. I'm a little bit sad that I got rejected, you know? And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I haven't felt this. Yes. I think the one time I felt sad was like when a, it was like a $40,000 estimate. And the guy was like, hey, buddy, you're out of your goddamn mind. Get out of my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, fuck. And then I realized, you know, <laughs> there's an art to being rejected that I've, you know, uh, that I thought I mastered. But here we are in a different dimension, a different mm-hmm. place. And so, boys, I wanted to ask you, you know, and, and this is something we haven't covered. Because in business and in life, you know, if you're always going for the next level or wherever you want to do uh, anything, you're putting yourself right. out there, you will be rejected. And a lot of new yeah. operators are going to go out and get rejected hundreds of times. And I remember the first times that I would get rejected at the door, it would hurt. Yeah. Right? So I'm actually curious for you guys, you know, what are your go-to methods to sort of deal with uh, any sort of rejection uh, when it comes to business, life, anything, anything of the sort. And also I'll share how I dealt with it pretty efficiently. But uh, yeah, the, the floor is yours. Well, that's uh, 
That's an interesting story, man. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I, I think like <clears throat> honestly, good for you for sharing that. I know a lot of, a lot of people that if that happened to them, they just wouldn't be the ones sharing that. Oh, on a dude, podcast. I would yeah. love to. Sh- it's it, it's just funny. It's just funny in hindsight. Whoever know? this extremely lucky or or rather unlucky lady <laughs> is, if you happen to be listening, no, to this podcast, no, I really hope this never. I am. So, I first of all, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm so grateful that. <laughs> you're hearing this and hearing John and I now chime in because this is hilarious. And I'm going to say, Amber, I think there's probably a chance that she is because I feel like if you go out on a date with a guy that no, tries Austin, to I just, kiss I just want, you... I just want to... No, I'm just... I don't yeah, need no, any you, advice on the, on the dating <clears throat> stuff. Like, no, no, no. Like the girl I don't, I'm not going like, to give like, you advice great. on the dating stuff. Yeah, I'm okay, just going to okay. say what's likely, in my opinion, Mm-mm. is that if you went out with a guy that tried to like make a move on you and you rejected him now i think like i don't know i feel like it'd be kind of funny to go listen to his podcast that's all i'm saying so (laughs) now hopefully she's hit hit listening to this um but the way that i suppose i've dealt with rejection in the past too whether it's uh because dude like i think most guys listening to this can think of a time that's happened to them like realistically like i i I just want to and I'm not trying to like minimize that. Like it's it's heart wrenching when it happens. Oh, it's, it's part, so but it's part of the game, man. It's part yeah, of the exactly. Game. So I think it's happened to a lot of different. Well, I would say the majority of men listening to this podcast, it's definitely happened to them in their life. So whenever that's happened to me, or um, in an estimate, like that was a great example you gave too. I always think of the fact that if I got embarrassed about this one time that I was rejected it's almost like a disservice to myself because that's under the assumption that it's like a really rare occurrence. Mm. But in in reality, like it's not a rare occurrence, right? Like we should only really be surprised and profoundly just what, you know, like super, um, super, you know, confused when it's a true innate surprise. And so if we understand that it's just not a rare occurrence, that surprise factor is gone. And then there's just one thing left and it's the ego, right? That's what hurts the most usually. Mm -hmm. So whether it's like going out and knocking on doors and getting rejected there or getting rejected by a partner or just getting said, told no to when you really want to get said yes to, or, you know, what what often hurts more is when it's in front of other people. Oh yeah, yeah. So imagine if like, well, I kind of missed that in your story too, right? Like mm-hmm. that guy walking by, how was that relevant to the story? Did he see the rejection? Is that why? Yeah. Okay. So was, he just awesome. saw you just like, it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> awesome. Dude, that's so funny. Yeah. So he was just like chilling, walking by and yeah, saw just walking you just across get... the street. You oh know, dude, see... that is like, this so, girl, you know, don't get me wrong. Great girl. You know, I would, you know, if I see her anywhere, I'll say yeah, hello. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I would go on another date with her. Cause it's just, I think there was something missing there, but, um, yeah, it was like, she's, she's beautiful, you know? So, uh, you probably noticed. Yeah. I think when it comes down to like how rejection plays into how you run your business, how you talk to people, how you treat people, um, I was actually having a really good conversation about this with one of my operators. I think a lot of times you treat people in a way that you're trying not to get rejected. So one thing, yeah, and, and that's like uh, the freedom from outcome. 
sort of thing. Yeah. Sort of mentality. Yeah. I, yeah, I was yeah. actually like totally in there. I was just like, hey, okay. you know what? whatever okay. happens, happens kind of thing. Right, right, right. right. Um, you know, you don't usually sing to ABBA, you know, yeah, yeah, sing yeah, your yeah. lungs out to her and Britney Spears if you're trying to not be free of outcome. But um, though, the, I think you nailed it, Austin, with the sort of uh, the, the sort of it's like a rare event. Yeah. Right. Because if you, if you always kind of get rejected, then it's like, oh, it's just, yeah, it's part of the game. Right. And yeah. um, I, I know one of my friends, he's like really into game and like pickup artistry. And uh, yeah, it's like doesn't it doesn't even get phased and then that's what i realized i'm like oh you know what like i'm just i'm not into that world right i like to you know be particularly uh, uh picky with that sort of stuff whereas if i kind of switch the frame uh like right. where it was with the estimate where you're knocking on every door even if it looks like it's painted right i think that was that was the big missing thing but john i'm right. actually curious you know you're sitting there uh scheming I want to hear what, hear what you got. No, I, was, I wasn't scheming. I was listening to you guys. Mm. What, what's, what do you think about the art of rejection? How have you dealt with rejection in the past in your business and in your life? Well, I would say that the, the biggest misconception about rejection is that the person on the other side of the table is the one that's doing the rejecting. Okay. Yeah. You yourself are rejecting by quitting on the deal. Mm. I'll give you an example. I was door knocking one time and I knock on this lady's door and this was during like a phase of the summer, like usually like mid to late summer, I start like kind of sniping is what I call it or yeah. like uh, ninja assassin is another way I like to think about it where what I do is basically all I do is I drive through the neighborhoods that we've done work and I just go and try and spot those $5,000 trim jobs. Because they're just, there's so many, I mean, not exactly five grand, but just in and around that. Mm -hmm. They're super easy to, to convince people to get quotes and they book at a pretty high percentage and they're very labor intensive, which is fantastic later in the summer. But we're getting into that. This is this time of the year. I was driving around. I see this lady's house. Perfect. Like prime, pr you know, prime uh, target for what I'm looking for. And I knock on her door. She answers it like kind of very abruptly. Clearly she has like a bunch of stuff going on. She's like, Hey. Like, and you know, I give her the whole pitch. I'm like, hey, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I have no time for this. Slams the door. And I paused for a second and I was like, meh. Knocked on, knocked on the door again. She came back. She's like, what do you need? I'm like, hey, like, I, 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 like, I'm serious. I'm, I apologize. I can see you're busy. You know, I grew up with a single mom, four children. I get how it is. You're super busy. Can I just have your number? Can I have your name? I'll call you for a free quote. Clearly you need it. She's like, yeah, fine. I got her number. Nice. Yeah. Right. Did a quote, booked it. So, like that could have been a story of rejection. Got it. Give you another, I'll give you another story. There was this guy in the fact that I don't remember his name bugs me, but uh, for four years, okay. He I lives got on a story Bra like this. Yeah. He lives on Braylock Court. And so I knocked on this guy's door. I think his name might have been like Keith or something like that. Either way, knocked on this guy's door for four years in a row uh, he's got like a like a country style house, like um, uh, like sh uh, sh uh, cedar shakes with like you know like all the wood soffits, like a beautiful home. Yeah, corner lot near like like you know super beautiful home. Mm. Um, and uh, he also was a um, a very successful stock investor. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of interest in this guy. Like I've kind of built a relationship with him over the years. Like 
just because I'm not on the door so getting many times. rejected. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like every year, it was like, so finally, and, and every year he told me like, I'm retired. And he was a young guy, like younger, like he was like 50 something, right? So like, he's like, yeah, I'm retired. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna do it myself. And so finally the fifth year, this was like, this is two years, year ago, I guess. Yeah, uh, knock on his door. And he's like, gives me the, you know, the whole, I give him the whole pitch. He gives me the whole pitch back. Hey man, retire, I'm gonna do it myself. And I said, hey, you know, Keith, and he was kind of surprised that I knew his name. I was like, this is me a little blunt, but like I've knocked on your door. This is the fifth year in a row. And every year you tell me that you're going to do it yourself and you haven't. Can I at the very least just give you a free painting quote? You don't even have to book it, but just can I give you a price so you can see what it's going to cost for us to do it or if you're actually going to do it yourself? Nice. $5,000 job booked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like. rejection is something you do to yourself not that someone does to you see that's Mm -hmm. what that's that was the misconception people think that they get rejected it's actually you reject yourself got it but i'm trying to think of like applying this in in other areas like if you're trying to uh, get a job at a at a grocery store and the manager's like i I really love what john said because i think that still applies Mm. right because i think that if I think that, and thanks for sharing that, John, because it really made me think the two biggest jobs I've ever booked in my own business, one was 20,000, one was 16,000, both three year follow up timelines. Yeah. Right. Like they're both like a a big initial no, a big initial no, a pre-close to just follow up with them again next year, a second no. And then the third year is it's usually a yes. Right. Like, and that's $35,000 of revenue at like 35% profit. And it's like, Literally. I, I, that, that was four phone calls of following up with those two clients, one each year, right? So it's just a matter of like not, and, and I think really, if you boil it down, John, why is it that you're knocking on that door again? And why is it that you're going back to Keith's house in 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, and then book it? Is, and, and maybe why am I doing the same thing for those two other jobs is that it seems like we understand that rejection isn't a novelty experience it happens to everyone but most importantly we are not motivated and strictly operating through the lens of our ego because it really sucks to get rejected right like i could imagine a time john where like where your ego is pretty large and you've spoken about it before where that rejection would make you feel about this big make you feel like you're a huge bother and make you feel like you're kind of just a loser if you get rejected by Keith, right? But what is it now that's causing you to just go, hmm, and knock again or go back next year? Would you say it has anything to do with low impact of ego or low prevalence of ego, the way that you're thinking? Yeah, in a sense, right? Like I would say it has has a lot to do with increased empathy. Empathy, okay. So I think, empathy I think for them. I like, think that the, the number one way to handle rejection, okay, is empathy describe that well because what you were saying about how it's the decrease of ego yeah right hand in hand with that is the increase of empathy because the ego response is like so you were saying that something wrong with you so i see what you mean so yeah so this is like a difference between masculine and femininity when it comes to um yeah yeah so uh the ego response to getting rejected is either one there's something wrong with me 
which would actually, I think that wouldn't even, I guess that would be ego, but I think that more commonly, and this was what I had, what I did is that when someone rejected me, something was wrong with them. Like, oh, oh like th- they're an idiot. They don't know <laughs> that I'm such a great option. Okay. Okay. Right? Okay. okay. So yeah. that's an, that's, and that's interesting because I think when people get rejected, if it is in line with ego, it is to do with, oh, I like, they're telling me, no, that sucks for me because I'm getting told no. And there, that does not correspond with the self image I have for myself or where at least I want myself to be or where I know others expect me to be. So yeah. that's ego, right? Well, so I'll give you an you, example. Yeah. Uh, I, I did a quote recently and it just wasn't a good fit. Like I kind of yeah. knew it wasn't a good fit even going into the quote. Yeah. Like I could, I could just tell it. I just like, cause like I tend to not do well. Um, and I'm just quite frankly, not a very good fit with people who are looking for the low cost provider because that's not, that's not the niche that I fill in the market. Right. Mm-hmm. And so these people had recently bought a home and they were on a very strict budget and they yeah. wanted to do not only on a strict budget, but they wanted to do multiple renovations. And whenever someone's on a strict budget and wants to do multiple renovations, essentially they're willing to sacrifice quality to make sure the entire renovation happens most so, of the time yeah like if yeah like for example like if they had if they if they had accounted for one thousand dollars in painting like in their prediction of what it would cost by overspending on the painting that would mean that they don't get new appliances so therefore they're not actually looking for someone to do necessarily a great job they're looking for someone to meet the criteria of okay they're gonna charge me one thousand dollars and so, it's your job to identify that in the sales process so totally. So I did identify yeah. this. Yeah. I did identify this. I knew it going into the estimate, but I mean, like, like we're shut down. So I was like, oh, okay, like it's a two day job at most. I'm like, I'll go do like a, you know, a 45 minute quote. Um, so anyway, I meet with them and like, I could, I could tell that even a personality way, it was a bad match. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I gave, but so, I mean, I gave the pitch you know, is, is the best of my abilities to do everything in the best of my abilities to still try, you know, doing my best to increase the odds. But when she said, she emailed me like maybe a day ago and she's like, Hey, after reviewing everything, um, and all the different various projects, which kind of actually affirmed my idea of what was going on, she's like, mm-hmm. you know, given all the various projects we want to do, uh, we've chosen another contractor. I actually know who that contractor was is it, cause it, it's a, it's a friend of mine who also runs a painting business and he's a low cost provider. So I was like, Oh, so I was like, there was a, there was a sweet satisfaction that all my predictions were correct, but there was also like a part of me that was like, oh, okay. Like that's okay. Like good for her. Like that's like, she, like I'm glad that her needs were met by the market. Like mm-hmm. there was like, I'm glad that there's low cost providers for people like her. And that's the empathy of understanding mm-hmm. that when someone rejects you, like your ego wants to tell you that like, oh my God, they, they made a, a poor choice. Maybe they didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. maybe it's a good thing that she didn't choose me, right? Like, I'm glad that she's able to get all her things done. Now, in saying that, um, she may realize, oh my God, like, this isn't what I wanted. And the next time she will hire the guy like me. And so mm-hmm. so it's like, was that, is it a rejection? Or maybe this is just like, because like, there's a lot of times when I book with older people, like elderly people who are like, oh yeah, no, I'm not picking the cheap guy because like I got burnt when I was in my 30s. Mm. Well, this yeah. is a couple, yeah. this is a couple in their 30s that have bought their first house. And they're doing renovations. So it's like, is this a rejection now or is this just a future client when they realize that they don't want the low cost provider? It seems to me like the tendency, after hearing what you said, John, the tendency for people in the in the moment of rejection is 
oh my god, I got rejected. So it's a surprise, because I usually don't get rejected. There's a little bit of ego there where it's like, wow, this sucks for me, because it's me, and I want this to be different for me. Not for other people, but for me. And having a very narrow viewpoint of what the possible trickle-down impacts are in the rest of your life. Like, mm. <clears throat> so for example, Amr, the girl that you got rejected by, when you, maybe this was the first step for you to realize that your little, you know, process of the dinner, <laughs> dessert, walk, car, side hug bullshit is completely a waste of time, okay? Totally, man. Yeah. So maybe that is what's gonna lead you to that, like you realize that hypothesis, or you're gonna, you're gonna really see that, hey, look, or, or because you got rejected by this girl, Maybe she like messages you in a week and says like, hey, sorry, I don't know, whatever. Or you message her again in a month and it's now more funny because she's already rejected you and you guys yeah. just become friends. And then, you know, two years down the road, you guys up actually having a relationship like you guys, you just don't know. Right. And so people tend to associate rejection with an immediate and forever no. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Not yeah, just totally. the immediate. And it's OK to have an immediate no. I, I read somewhere it's like with the, with rejection why it can sometimes uh, hurt so much because it's actually built like in our in our system. Mm -hmm. If you look at like what rejection is and why it's sometimes it, it's actually been proven. I read this study. I think Austin, you, you'll appreciate this. Mm -hmm. I read a study that said um, when it comes to re rejection, I think I read this when I was like started knocking on doors. And it's like when you get rejected, it, it, your brain releases the same chemicals as if you're getting like physically hurt. Hmm. And that's because norepinephrine or something or like, yeah, that's because like adrenaline, adrenaline. I, I don't know. But, you know, if you were to be rejected 7000 years ago, you'd be dead because you'd be rejected from like your social circle. Then you can't like you don't have any shelter anymore. You don't have any sort of food. So you're now out fend for yourself in the woods, in the forest, right? Because you were rejected out of society. So mm. that's why it's kind of built into it. But what you what you guys were touching on, and you know, the big takeaway, I think it's like uh, with handling any sort of thing when it comes to rejection, it's just having a, an abundance mentality, which is like, oh, there are other options, or this is not a no forever. There's 100%. more to come. Versus like, oh shit, like that was it. You know, we missed it. You know, sort of thing. So well, oh, we, we missed the train forever. I mean, there's so many different ways that you could come to terms with it. I mean, like another way of looking at it, which we talk about a lot, is the idea of double suffering. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if in fact being rejected was not a good thing, certainly feeling sad and emotional over it would, would just be a double suffer. So... Mm -hmm. The best response, if it was not a good thing, that would just be to go focus on other things that are better. Totally. And if it's and if it's not a bad thing and it's a good thing, then you should also be grateful. So like either way, you should just be grateful. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no gratitude was a big one, and that definitely. Yeah. I think the thing with rejection too is that it also bleeds into a lot of other things. Like, like what? for example, the desire to be right. Mm -hmm. So I remember when we were having that affirmations debate in person in Vancouver, John, you said something to Amor that I have remembered to this day and actually maybe even said to two or three people in the, in the past couple of weeks, because it was fitting for the conversation, which was that you and I 
were talking to Ammer about how his self-affirmations could have a little bit of like toxicity to it. And Ammer's reaction was for the most part defensive. And we spent, I think like 20 to 30 minutes just trying to get him to not be defensive. And just to say, hey, look, like Ammer, if somebody came up to me like you, if you came up to me and said, Austin or John, there's a way better way to run your business. And here's how you can do it. Because the way you're doing it right now is leading you to this. Isn't that right? Yes. Okay, well, what if you tried this? Because I think you can avoid that negative outcome. And imagine how weird it would be if we just said, no, 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 no. The way I'm doing it is still right and still sufficient. And it's like somebody can be here on the podcast telling you maybe, hey, the way you're thinking about rejection isn't optimum for the outcome that you're trying to have in your life. And I'm sure there's a lot of people going, yeah, this makes sense. And I don't think I'm going to like adopt it because I can't, or it's not going to be scalable, or I don't think that's good for me. I don't see myself being able to think that way. How could I have that? You know, isn't that kind of just more theoretical or textbook or, you know, like, not practical when mm-hmm. you're in the moment. Like if my brain's releasing that chemical, Austin, how could I possibly not feel like I'm a dick or like an asshole and and feel bad for myself and you know get upset? Well, the reality is <clears throat> like John said, you have to thank that person for rejecting you because they're actually doing you a really good service by reminding you that all you could ever do is be grateful for the occurrences that happen that are outside of your control because they'll lead you to just educate yourself with how you can deal with other things that are outside of your control. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, like I that- think I might have even mentioned this during the summer. I think there was one podcast where if you didn't know me, it sounded a little crazy, but I was like talking yeah. about how I feel invincible. And the reason why I felt invincible was that my like my goals were for greatness of character like for pursuing virtue. So if your goals during an estimate are to be honest, right, to show integrity and to (laughs) offer value towards the client, there is no rejection. Mm -hmm. So... Like imagine if those were the only variables that you were able to register feedback on, right? Like think about what that would be like. Well, I was going to say, it's one of those like... I don't know. It's one of those things where, uh, you know, people who are, I, I, I believe that people who are honest, um, you know, integrous and are trying to offer the most value possible in the long run will do better mm-hmm. in the long run, which is sort of like a, um, a actually a, a JP Morgan quote, which is that, he believed that traditional values will prevail over the long run, like respectable business. Mm-hmm. Hey, listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Weekly Call. We just have a quick yet very important message for all of you. The three of us are currently actively in pursuit to find young, ambitious, and like-minded people that are interested in business management and business ownership roles. Roles that three to five years ago put Austin, Ammer, and John in a place where they could learn, grow, and optimize their discipline and habits. 
These positions are available all across Canada, so it doesn't matter if you're in Victoria, British Columbia or St. John's, Newfoundland. There is an opportunity where you are located. If you are interested in working directly with Amher, Austin and John and learning what it takes to run an efficient and scalable business, please drop us a line at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com, all one word, for more information. Now back to this episode of The Weekly Call. Well, we actually had a debate about this uh, because, yeah, we, we did say it was theoretical, but there were models that were like, if if we were operating at a totally unethical, immoral business system, it's the businesses that are the most unethical and most immoral that will actually succeed. So, but again, those are just theories. I say if you're trying well, to Well, actually, no, but even, no, but even the, but even if you look at the, the deep, like, like, because a lot of times people criticize like a lot of like these kind of discussions as in like, oh, this is all theoretical. Well, uh, and then, uh, sorry, two ways. People criticize it for one, uh, being too realistic, okay, or two, being too theor- theoretical. Mm-hmm. But even the deep theory, that being, I think it, I guess it'd be like game theory, um, the, the most successful strategy was a, a tit for tat strategy. And I think, adjusted for a few different variables the next most effective strategy was generous tit for tat which is sort of like when you have um uh, a set of when you have two options you can either give or you can take okay and given those two options um if we both if we both give it's the most optimal outcome we each get like you know plus 10 or you know just make up some random number right whereas uh, as in, a, and now there's a total benefit in the community of plus twenty. Okay, whereas if I take and you give, I get plus fifteen, but you get zero, right? Oh, so the community benefit is fifteen, but technically my personal benefit is higher than the plus ten, right? And then uh, of course we can both take, which means that we both get zero. Okay, and so. Um, According to that sort of model, the t- uh, in in a in a finite game, the optimal strategy would be always to take. And the reason why is that if you know how many games there are, and the reason why is because you can use the logic as well. If if the option is to give or take, I'm always just going to take because, um, like like if you and I were to only play one game against one another, yeah. you would always take. Because you you wouldn't risk the other person um, just taking as well, and then you getting nothing. So it's just more optimal. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, okay, that's only if you know how many games there are. So even if it's like a a, a thousand games, the first game is if it's is, fixed. If it's fixed. Yeah, yeah. However, okay, in an infinite game, which life in a sense is an infinite game, because you don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. Well, you don't know when it's going to end, but you also don't know how many interactions you're going to have with this person again. Yeah. Mm. So business people who like online, actually a really good um, way of understanding this is that on the online world, um, like for these online gurus, I think this is just, this is me just completely making this up, right? Like, like this is a theory of mine. Theory, so yeah. yeah, this is not, this is, don't take this as fact or anything. But one of my theories and why I think online gurus tend to be just so malicious and so like predatory um, not only not only is, the, is there sort of the like distance of it all being online, but I think there's also the fact that 
they have an endless supply of customers. So they can screw you over and not have any repercussions, right? Whereas when you're in Chelsea, Quebec, you can't, you can't treat it like a finite game because you actually will see this person at the grocery store. You'll might be coaching their kid's soccer game, right? So it's a smaller community, meaning as it, it's an, the number of interactions you have. Wow, I never thought have. of it that way, but you're totally right with the Do way I so? treat people, 100%. Well, okay, that's awesome because this, this theory was a little bit loose on my end. So, but, so I think I, that I would, when you- I would also say with the, the online guru, you, you got to remember there's like, if somebody types in, online guru class reviews and then a lot of people just talking shit it actually won't work anymore kind of yeah but but you know, i mean like i said it's a loose theory but point yeah. being, no but like just to jump in there john before you continue is that Amber, you can in that world reframe and repackage yourself an infinite amount of ways Whereas you couldn't do that within a fixed community. Oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I can't change my face. Like, in, like yeah. I mean, I, maybe I could a little bit, but like in the online world, you quite literally could just go like, tr- like it's more about your you game could, too. And no, but you, no, but you could literally only advertise in, in Miami. Fuck everyone over in Miami, go to a different city and just like keep doing it online. Or and you, you could keep change doing it name. in Miami and call yourself John Horgan. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Thing. Okay. But hold John on. Point being though, is that, um, in an infinite game, the most effective strategy, according to this game theory, and, and the way this was sort of determined, there was this, there was this really famous study, and it was a, it was actually a, a test where they basically took all the top game theory professors and economists and blah blah blah, and they all got to submit their strategy. Okay, mm. and so some people, you know, said okay, ten wow, percent of the time. I love of, that. Oh, dude, there's a there's a really good. I'm I'll surprised find I out. haven't heard of this. This is oh, amazing. Oh, dude, it's it's amazing. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's a, in a super interesting game. Anyway, so like everyone came up with different strategies. Like some people said, okay, like some people there was a the, you know there was the the random one where they would just it was you know every single time is 50 50 chance whether they would give or right. take. Some people was like, okay, every tenth time they would take, and basically who got the most points at the end was the generous or sorry was the tit for tat and what a tit for tat is is that a tit for tat will only ever um take from you if you've previously taken from them so like yeah and so now a a tit for tat versus a take only actually loses however in an ecosystem Mm. of all different strategies it wins the most because it it, it it defaults as okay i'm gonna be a good generous person however if you fuck me over I will fuck you over. I will find you and I will kill you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like taken style. Now, yeah. I forget I forget how the study went, but something changed where it ended up, like there was like this huge ecosystem, right? Because it's all online. So they like, you know, right. gen- like, they, but anyway, they, the, someone had found out some way of beating the tit for tat in some weird way. But then then what ended up being the most successful, and this, is, this was the ultimate conclusion of the study, was that the most effective was generous tit for tat, which would have a one round forgiveness so you could take twice before it gived so before it before it took back from you right um, and this ultimately uh this ultimately um succeeded so i forget where i was going with this but like oh yeah no i i do so my point being is that rejection in a finite game is you're done it's it that was your one shot but that requires you to have a finite mind. So I would say that 
your reaction to whether or not you actually are suffering from rejection would have actually more to do with whether you have a finite or an infinite mindset. And I believe that those with uh, an infinite holy. mindset, I truly believe will have more success in business than those with a finite mindset. Wow. You just you just pulled cool. in you just pulled in three different psychological theories to make that. So you just spoke about behavioral economics, so basing your decision off of what you think others will do, which in and of itself is is a very hard game to play in the real world. You you then implemented a time parameter that is more along the lines of actually, and this is not a joke, but delayed discounting. How do I act now? Versus <laughs> somehow you've always well, brought... no, but it is, but it is what you said. <laughs> it is what you thesis. said. That's no, all I, I know. You said. I know. I know. So I know. I'm saying, just using. You're saying like, how should I act now based on how many other chances I'm going to get? And you try to calculate that, but we just said that that is pretty uncalculable if you try. Because you, you never know how often you're, like, if it's the last time you're going to see someone or if it's the last time you're going to do something or knock on a door or do an estimate or what have you. And you looped it back in with, so behavioral economics, you implemented a time parameter and how we can't calculate time very well. And is it is it more, there's a third thing there, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Is it? Well, what is I heard, ego? The, like, the third one was a mindset that exists before the rejection even happens. Right, 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 right. So, so do you agree with me, layer. though? Dude, 100%. And actually, John, I'm yeah. going to ask you, I'm going to make a request that you repeat what you said. Yeah, me too. Please. Like, which part of it? I mean, there was Consol- the double. I want you to no, consolidate your theory. No, into, no, the final part where yeah. you said... When it comes to rejection, oh, I think that when it comes to reject, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm gonna get the right wording here, but I think that when it comes to rejection, I think that whether or not you suffer from that rejection has more to do with whether or not you have a finite mindset or an infinite mindset, and those with a finite mindset will will um, will suffer because, and then those with an infinite mindset will prosper in the long run. And this also kind of has to do more. There's like another quote, yes, you could maybe tie into this a little bit. And this is a quote that I really like, which is that um, pessimists are usually more correct than optimists. However, optimists get more done. (laughs) Love that. Is that not? Oh, my God. I've never heard something more true in my life. Yeah, because I don't think I, people I, I've understand, gone, man. I've gone here. Can I actually just banner. give one to, more? We need to fucking I, like die. Can I actually people understand how important? Can I actually give one more quote here that is. I actually? It, it's it's loosely connected to this as well, and I only okay. I only want to bring this up because I actually wrote it down this morning. Okay. And this is like this is my own words, but it's but it is a play on from someone else's. So I'm not gonna take full credit for this, which is like, um, are you seeking to be popular or effective? So like those are questions. Um, there is more competition in the former than the latter. So there's it, there's more competition for being popular than there is for being effective. And so if you look at this in 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 the same terms of uh, in the context of what we were just talking about, so many people don't want to get rejected. They want to just be in a, in a world where everyone accepts them, and that's ultimately I think where most of the competition is because you're in this like safe like world where there's virtually no, there's no gain and that's why it's so competitive it's so safe 
right? But in the world of rejection, um, in, a, in an infinite mindset, um, there's very little competition because very few people are like, for example, Ammer, how many people were you having to compete with when you went door, door knocking five days a week? No one. No one. No. But if you want to get into the nightclub and be popular, there's a fucking lineup. Right? There's no lineup to go door knocking. So if you want to be effective, there's virtually no competition. Dude, the wisdom here is off the charts. Like, I'm just blown away. <laughs> oh, fuck. And I, I, was, I, I remember um, one of my coaches at Landmark told me, it's like whenever you bring something that's vulnerable to somebody else, it brings out the best out of everybody. Wow. So that's Good what I was you, really man. hoping to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And John, you know, holy you know, smokes, I, I, John. I, I do have to say here, though, you know, because this is just by pure chance that you guys brought all this up, because I've put so much thought into this exact concept of rejection because... I've, I mean, I've knocked on like literally like no, no, no hyperbole, like a hundred thousand doors. So yeah. I've really had to come to, <laughs> to terms with this, <laughs> which but, means that you've been rejected almost, uh, like after a couple more years, a hundred thousand times. Basically. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's almost like it's getting closer to, yeah. yeah. But, um, but I'll say this about, about it though. Um, and this has to do with my personality and this is something that I've, you know, you know, have been aware of for a very long time. And I think a lot of people can relate to this is that. I'm a very neurotic, neurotic individual, so I'm very anxious. And so I tend to seek stability in my life. And this is one of the ways that I have found so much stability and so much peace is understanding that there's very little stress in an infinite game. There's a lot of stress in a finite game because in a finite game, you're constantly on a struggle of who's winning and who's losing. But in an infinite game, everybody can win. Can you maybe describe, John, because that's amazing. Can you maybe describe what finite and infinite mean just at a cellular level for our viewers? Because I think that we might get, we might lose a few people with the terminology here. Well, I think that, I think the easiest way of understanding it is, is like the most, I mean, this is, this is a very like, so anytime you make things simple, you do forego some nuance, right? I mean, that's sure. by, the yeah. defini- by the definition, right? is are you ever going to see this person again? If the answer is no, it's a finite game. If the answer is yes, it's an infinite game. There's two problems with this though in the modern world. You don't know whether it's a finite game or infinite game. In the real world with that one person, in the real you can't world. say for certain. Yeah, in exactly. a simulation, you actually do know. Yeah. Right? However, in the real world, you never know if it's infinite or finite game, okay? So if we always knew it was a finite game, as in if I always knew it was the last time I ever saw someone, you would basically then be altruistic if you chose to, to give. Sorry, repeat that. Well, if we actually, if every interaction we had, like let's say in some weird like dystopian world where you could only ever meet someone one time, right? okay? maybe this would be a good book idea i don't know it's a black mirror episode already. oh shit no is it actually no it's not but it would be a good yeah it is okay anyway someone one time that's yeah it's like the dating where like they meet and then it counts down no no so that's the interesting thing that was actually technically oh no i guess that was a finite game oh yeah Yeah, well Well, it's a finite game for time but you could get paired with them again that's how the show worked oh was that a stipulation yeah oh i didn't remember but time was fixed so yeah Okay, so this is something that I've also thought about. Okay, um, Wait, before we before we diverge, 
I actually want to mention there's a book that was that's written exactly on this concept that John is talking about. There's it's many. Rec- yeah. It's recommended by Tony Robbins, and it was recommended by like two other billionaires that I like listened in podcast. Oh, it's give called- or take by Adam Grant, right? Blue Ocean, Red Ocean Strategy. Oh, okay, yeah. So give or take. I think there's one called Give or Take by Adam Grant. Prob- probably, probably, probably. But Austin, this is probably the best visualization to think about it. In a red ocean sort of strategy mindset, it's like fish fighting each other and killing each other for resources. And it's like blood everywhere. That's like a red ocean. Whereas blue ocean, it's like the, the ocean is so it's big. It's an ecosystem. It depends there's on opportunity, each other. There's opportunity everywhere and it's infinite. In, in the way you reach out and um, wow. one thing one thing to consider here okay and this is sort of how I've come to terms with religion in a sense which is that uh, in a sense people who write off religion completely in a, in a sense they're saying that our life is a finite game Like if you people, say there's no there's no afterlife period like once we die that's it you're essentially mm-hmm. saying this is a finite game correct yeah and so by believing in religion like but not even just believing in religion but 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 by living by the principles in which you know when I say religion I mean this is so broad but but you mean afterlife afterlife sure a but resurrection, like resurrection well, I mean, perhaps I'll, I'll speak in Christianity and specifically just because it's it's a little bit most people would understand that religion the most. Okay, Um, it's like the idea of like, even if heaven doesn't exist, it's like, it's a pretty fucking dangerous bet to assume it's not. You know what I mean? Like if you're a good person and you end up just like, you're right. If you just if you're a good person, you live a good life and you go to heaven and there there is a heaven and and you go there, you're like, oh, sweet, sweet. I paid off. Right. Whereas if you lived your whole life like a, you know, like, you know, like a prick, my words, but a bag of shit. And (laughs) and then you find out there is a hell. Damn, that fucking really backfired, didn't it? Right. So. (laughs) Yeah. So in a sense, it's like Jordan Peterson's quote where he's like, you know, he's like, whether God exists or not, I act as if he does. I'm like, you know what? I'll adopt that policy. Mm-hmm. Well, Jordan Peterson also said the idea of like heaven and hell, you don't have to believe in, but it actually, uh, it, it exists on earth, whether you like it or not. If yeah. you're a good person, you have peace of mind, you have good people around you. Oh, if that, you're a I, bad I, I person, way, I when Jordan Peterson described Listen, that, finish, I was finish. just what, like... And if you're a bad person and you rob and you steal and you lie, you're always looking over your shoulder. You don't know who to trust and your life is a living hell. So you don't even have it's you don't even have to believe in the afterlife because heaven and hell will exist. Well, the Stoics talk about how, you know, I don't know what I don't know. It's with the Stoics and lamps. But anyway, if, if someone steals your lamp, you don't need to punish them because the divine has already done that. Like they're now labeled a thief. Like they, mm. they can no longer they can no longer consider You told themselves. me about this with the when I got my iPhone sold a fake. Yeah, iPhone. they can no longer that, yeah. they can no longer look themselves in the mirrors and say that they're integrous. So yeah. that alone is the is the true punishment, right? So, yeah. yeah, you know, somehow we got into this topic from 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 Amher. Amher's, <laughs> yeah, yeah a beautiful story. beautiful exchange. I fucking, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna keep going out there. I think this uh, I think the cool thing about having a, a sort of podcast is the more risks I take and the more sort of unusual uh, stories I have, the more content I have for this podcast. So yeah, okay, for I, have, sure. I, have a, I have a real question for you guys, okay? Feel free to answer this in any way you want. I have like a follow-up. Is it online with this topic? I'd say so. Okay. 
Yeah, it, it's at least loosely Because connected. I have a question for you about this topic before we move on. Okay, you ask because I okay. have it written down, so I'm good. Okay, yeah. okay, awesome. So I think that the theories that you just proposed are like very groundbreaking and very innovative. And like, I think I would even encourage everybody that kind of like got something from that just to go back and listen to it again. Because like, I kind of had a clicking moment there where I've realized the amount of times where I've been operating in a finite game in rejection and it's been to my own demise in certain outcomes. So I would highly recommend just rewinding to listen to that. Cause I will probably, I will be doing the same. Um, and I did just want like any good friend to kind of challenge you and maybe ask you to adopt this into a, a circumstance, John, like just to the theory that you've provided the only loophole or not loophole, but the only kind of like, thing I can see preventing somebody from fully being able to adopt that is coming at this from like a scarcity mindset and a scarce reality of but that's but that's finite that's finite thinking no but like being in a situation where they are concerned about the well-being like let's say somebody is concerned about their health yeah or you know, you I don't mean, mean like, to cut you like, off, but like, I, I think I already know where you're going with this. Like they're basically, poor, they, they, have a, they have lower needs to meet, right? You know basically, what I mean? like, yeah, like they're concerned with oneself because like, you know, like they're like, they're not even they're in thinking a finite about whether or not. Because they don't have a choice. In, in, well, they're not concerned in, in the well-being of others in the sense that, you know, they're focused on their own survival. That's sort of what you're getting at. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you know, unfortunately, like, this is one of those ones where, um, it's, it's tough because there, there like, there's a couple different, you've been like, there. there's a couple different ways of looking at this. Okay. Like there's a couple different like quotes that I'll pull from and I'll try and tie it all together. So like, here's one quote that people commonly hear. And there is some truth to this, which is that. Uh, when you're in the airplane and and the oxygen masks drop down, they tell you to put your own, your own mask on first, so that then you can help others because you can't help others if you drop dead from ox- not having enough oxygen, mm-hmm. right? So there is a aspect of help yourself first, mm-hmm. okay. Um, but that's not to be confused with helping yourself at the detriment of others. See, that's where the confusion is at. And this, I think, is actually uh, potentially one of the biggest mindset problems that we face in society right now, which is that people who have achieved success and wealth understand that there's enough to go around that by offering i mean in a capitalistic society by definition the more value you offer to the marketplace the more money the marketplace returns to you so bill gates virtually i mean right now the why we're able to communicate started from him like the whole personal computer like revolution right and that spurned Apple and, and so on, right? Like, so Bill Gates has offered tremendous value. And so that's why he's received such massive benefit. 
but so have we as a society. And so most billionaires to become a billionaire, they would create hundreds of millionaires first. Well, not only that, but they've also improved the lives of like, I mean, Bill Gates has improved the lives of, I would say, 7.4 billion billion people or whatever, right? Uh, oh, Oh, yeah, probably indirectly. Yeah. Yeah, like he, like everyone is wealthy. Oh no, but no, but I mean, literally, even the poorest of people. I mean, he ended, didn't he? Like end like like a bunch of diseases and things like that in in poor. I mean, virtually everyone on the planet that is alive to this day, in some way or another, has at least one reason or more to thank Bill Gates. Okay, mm-hmm. hence why he's one of the richest people in the world. Okay, so there's that end of it, <laughs> and so the biggest problem I think that we face in society right now is that there's a massive wealth gap right now, and the people at the bottom think that that is because things that the people at the top have taken something from society that they know that they're not able to have as in we would have this if others didn't take it from us so therefore they should give back and so this that right there is that they believe okay a, a large portion of our population over 50% believes that something has been taken from the bottom and is held at the top. And they believe that the only way to get what is rightfully theirs, this is the entitlement, is to take from the top and redistribute, whether it be universal basic income, whether it be higher taxes, whether it be higher wages, etc. When in reality, this, now another quote that kind of pulls into here is that it's like one of those things where like, it's like, don't ask, uh, don't ask what your country can f- do for you, but rather what can you do for your country? It's like mm-hmm. rather like the mindset that has allowed these wealthy and successful individuals to have so much is because they gave even more. And so if you want to make that transition from lower middle class to higher class, you won't get there by trying to take. You will get there by trying to give so and then you shall receive. Yeah, Correct. So if you yeah. tie all of what I just said in together, you have one unit of thing is that even though it may seem so difficult to give now, that is the progress forward. Now, that's a realistic way of looking at it. The most idealistic way of looking at it would be what the Stoics call like the divine fate, right? And, and this is that that we all actually share one collective. And this is the quote where Marcus Aurelius talks about how, um, you know, wake up each morning and remind yourself that you will meet people who are surely arrogant, ungrateful, you know, basically just miserable people. But to remind yourself that you were just like them, that you were akin to them, not in blood, but of the same fate of the same divine, that we're meant Mm -hmm. to work together like two hands, like two feet, like two ears, like two eyes like two hands in the sense that we're all a part of the same community, a greater community, as in, you know, a family has its own values and its own rules and its own laws, but so does a city and a city is made up of, uh, sorry, a country is made up of cities and, and a, a country is made up of, of provinces and, and the world is made up of continents and, and, and then the earth is made up of, of these and then the galaxy is made up of planets and then the galaxies, the solar systems are made up of galaxies, etc. Point being is that you can keep going bigger and bigger and bigger. The point being is that we're all a part of the same thing. So what is good for the community 
is good for the individual. And what is good for the individual is not, uh, sorry, yeah, what is good for the community is good for the individual. Or no, no, I'm confusing this up a little bit. What is good for the individual is not always necessarily good for the uh, collective. Yeah, because Therefore, if you if you gain something, sometimes you you know you you don't have to take well, away. Well, the idea that this idea and and this is this is why I say this is idealistic, and I'm not sure how realistic this is. But when I say idealistic, as in I believe, and the Stoics talk about that, that there is certain higher level species that that try and go for this. Okay, they try and go for a higher like group well-being and that mm-hmm. is that when you align yourself with what is best for the group i think that is and i think that this actually in my opinion is actually the essence of leadership which is that in order to be a well-respected and trusted leader and an effective leader you ultimately have to make decisions that are not always in your own best interest but rather in the best interest of the company and i believe that is what a leader is right mm-hmm. tying this back to rejection if you were in the position of leading a company or a country, how would you deal with rejection differently? I don't think it would even phase the individual. Right, which is tying back into what we're saying here about the importance of not taking rejection to the point where it's a negative self-serving thing. Yeah, you're just one speck in the... the, So to take it personally is pretending like it's only impacting the individual like to take it personally means that that's not something that would be scalable at the level of the group Mm. oh here's an example of this now i have this is i have no political association with any of the people i'll mention but um uh, hillary clinton was on howard stern and howard was asking uh, her about losing to donald trump and what that's like and how that must have stung. And, you know, you can Howard supports Hillary Clinton. And he was like, you know, that bigot, he's, he's sitting in office, you know. But what, do you, what can you even do? And then she started telling a story. So she just lost the election to Donald Trump. And she's sitting there. And you can do, you just lost the campaign. It's over. So really, there's no more cameras on you. Nothing that you do matters. Guess what she does? She calls Donald. She calls him up and she's like, uh, hey, hey, Donald, it's it's Hillary. Just wanted to call you and congratulate you on the win. And she's telling the story and Howard goes insane. He's like, wait, <laughs> what? Like, what did what did Donald say? Like, did he did he gloat or something? And he was like and, and Hillary was like, no, he was shocked. He didn't know what to say. And he just uh, thanked me. And that was that. And then here's Howard who's just like totally confused. You know, how could you even do that? Like, this guy has slandered you to the moon and back. He said he's going to put you to jail. And you call him a person that you don't even want to lead the American people. And you're calling him to thank him? What the heck's the point of that? And then Hillary just sits there and she's like, well, Howard, honestly, at this point and, and throughout this whole campaign, it wasn't really about me. It was about the American people. And the American people have spoken. They don't want me in office. They want Donald. And so... I want to place as much confidence as possible of the people to Donald. And so when I called Donald, what I was doing there was just basically saying, hey, forget our feud, focus on your job now. Mm. And that is probably 
the biggest example that I can think of of somebody who's foregoing their own personal interests for the interests of the community. And, and not G- taking the rejection. Ex- dude, we're talking like she's sitting at the TV looking at the results. A historic moment just happened. This celebrity guy, was this orange dude, wins. And, you know, <laughs> the art of the deal. Apparently it works, right? And... And she calls him up and just genuinely congratulates him. Wow. How insane is that, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that's pretty damn cool, man. I think that's, I think that takes a lot. And uh, t- to your point, John, I'm not sure if you read Hobbes' Leviathan, uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a concept that's creating by Thomas Hobbes where he talks about a Leviathan is basically uh, a king that all people relinquish all their rights and give it to one person. So everybody in the community would actually relinquish all their rights, all their freedoms, and they would give it to an individual to rule above them all. And this is not an example of an ideal society to run now. This is the ideal first society. So you can think back to human nature, like way back, where everybody's running around in the woods, killing each other, only seeking to take only seeking to take for their own resources, only seeking to survive, a lot of red ocean, a lot of finite, you know, the next person you see, you know, he's either going to take your woman or kill you, right? And that, that was the life you live in. Thomas Hobbes said the first step to alleviate that state of nature that he called, it's called the state of nature. The first step to alleviate that is by having everybody in the community uh, give not take, for the first time ever, they have to give all their resources, all their possessions, all their rights and freedoms to one man that they all collectively judge. And, and that man is the Leviathan. And he has ultimate control on what happens. And as soon as people did that, you had a success, the first ever successful government and society. And then slowly you transition to other types of, of leadership types like monarchies, aristocracies, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But the first one was that. Wow. And, and well, in a sense, amazing. in a sense, the Stoics very, I mean, I, I haven't read Leviathan. So just based on what you told me, in a sense, that's what the Stoics ask us to do, right? Or that's what they ask of themselves is that um, what are they asking, John? Well, to act in the best interest of of the group and not to do actually what is in your own best interest. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at Marcus Aurelius, I mean, that is actually exactly what he did. And that is why he's so impressive. Because as, and I've mentioned this before, as ruler of the world, uh, well, of the Roman Empire, he wasn't in some villa in the middle of, you know, on top of some beautiful mountain overlooking the Mediterranean with like, people rubbing olive oil all over his naked body and eating grapes and having the best wine and whatever fantasies that that he may have. He was at the front lines of one of the bloodiest wars in human history. That just blows me away. Like, I I don't think people understand the idea of being on the front line. That was not necessarily in his quote-unquote best interest, except for if you argue that it's in all of our best interest to improve the collective right so it's insane actually there's there's actually a sorry i just i want to just tell one more marcus aurelius story that's so crazy do it 
So as a Roman emperor, you're sort of like given like, you know, tons and tons of gifts and you have like, you know, the emperor's like bank account essentially, right? Which is just like tons and tons of gold items and things. And one time, uh, or at one point uh, during his reign, um, and this is not even actually due to his bad leadership. I mean, he had like just so many, I mean, it's astronomical how many things went wrong when he was emperor that like were completely out of his control, um, such as a plague. But they were running. They were running out of money. Uh, the the empire was, and so he had a long. He had a, like a basically a, like a modern day garage sale of all of the emperors. I remember reading about this. Yeah, yeah. all of the emperors like gold trinkets and swords and memorabilia and lamps. And ra- yeah, to try and yeah, up lamps to try and raise money. Uh, for the government, and these were all possessions of his. Like he didn't have to. Could do you imagine that. people doing that now? Like they, no, we're, we're operating. Yeah, a, the U.S. is operating with a trillion dollar deficit. Uh, uh, no, uh, fourteen trillion. They're, I think, seventeen trillion in debt. Donald, uh, go sell off those uh, those buildings, buddy. Like let's let's uh, yeah. let's repay the debt. Uh, the last story I want to share is the way Tony Robbins escaped severe charity, uh, severe poverty, was a moment where he switched. It was literally a moment where he went from finite to infinite thinking. Wow. He was hungry and he had in his in his pocket like six bucks for one meal. And next to him was a kid with, a, with a, his mom and they're both hungry. And the kid is like making a ruckus and like he's crying uh, because he's so hungry. And but and then he, so Tony talks to him. He's like, what's going on? He's like, I'm hungry. Uh, but he's like. But I'm used to being hungry, but that's not why I'm crying. I'm crying because for the first time, uh, my mom has admitted to her being hungry. So uh, Tony was like blown away. So Tony reaches in his pocket. It's like Thanksgiving, right? Like every, like this is a time where, uh, you know, people are eating. They're supposed to be, you know, and, and Tony just reaches in his pockets, pulls out every single dollar he has, gives it to the kid and mom, doesn't even give them a chance to give any of their money back and just leaves without even thinking without even thinking of how he's going to find the next meal. And then later later that day, he, uh, he the family, he goes home. His dad doesn't have any food. His mom doesn't have any food. He's sitting at the dinner table. It, they're, they're pretty much not going to eat. And then there's a knock on the door, and door swings open. Uh, his mom's co-worker heard about the struggles, and it was like basically like... His, his mom's boss heard about the struggle, came in with like a full turkey, like potatoes and everything, and just fed Tony's family. But it was at that moment when he was starving and reached into his pocket to, to pull out that $6 that he just basically said, hey, you know what? Yeah, I mean, he went from that finite to, to infinite thinking. So I think that is, uh, I mean, I, I try to think about myself in that situation and I really hope I would do the same, but I just don't know, right? And I'm so grateful to not be in those situations, but... Okay, I, I have mean, I have a banger of a quote for Whack versus Wisdom this week. Okay, perfect. All right, let's, let's, let's end up here strong. Let's end up here strong. Okay. Amber, do you have a song banger. or no? Um, I, I believe, I believe I do, yeah. So this, <laughs> this one's really whack, all right? Jesus, I don't, yeah. Oh my God. So I'll give you a little backstory here. So this guy, his name is like 
Yeah, TJX6. And uh, he he blew up on SoundCloud for his type of music. And he, he blew up by singing how you can, like, do weird stuff on the dark web. So he would sing ways, like, he would get it. It's so weird to explain. Oh, yeah. It, you know what? I actually heard... Hold on. I actually heard about like something closely maybe it's the same thing there's a whole apparently there's a whole genre of rap surrounding that teaches online. you how to scam people yeah that's yeah yeah there's a guy that's like called uh Kovo or kobo or so bevo or something like that there's like there's, no like, there's, there's this one famous guy who like i guess he went to jail because he literally like i guess his rap was too on <laughs> was too honest Oh, dude! Yeah. So, little TJX, he's he's one of the guys in there, and he in one of his songs, he's like, he teaches you how to scam credit cards. He's like, <laughs> go to Bit Machine and go to yeah, this yeah. This website, is the same. This is the same thing. Call, yeah. call Best this? Buy and then and then pretend that you're like he literally sings. You know, go to yeah, the Best Buy yeah. and tell him you're buying gift. You know, buying gifts for your kids. And then stack up on two thousand dollars on your shopping cart. And then okay, well, let's get the song ask, going. Oh so, my god. This is TJX6 featuring Kasher Kwan. Hold on, are you going to sh- uh, screen share? <laughs> oh, dude, I, oh, I am screen sharing. Oh, I need it. So it's Kasher Kwan, and this is Dynamic Duo 2. I'm not going to show you one, I'm going to show you two. And uh, let's. Uh, it, it starts immediately. So, ladies and gentlemen, okay. without further ado, man, here's Dynamic whack Duo versus number, wisdom. number two. Here we go. Here's the whack. As hell, the weed man just shorted my weed. I was trying to get on buzz. This nigga gave me seeds. I just skimmed a basketball player named Abdul Kareem. Pop the nigga outside the Walmart and flee the scene. I'm gonna do donuts in a scat, Krispy Kreme. I just scammed a nigga who sell donuts at Krispy Kreme. I'm gonna respond to this bitch DM. She wanna have sex with me. I just bought a Louis Fanny pack as an accessory. We about to go and fuck this bitch together. Her name Destiny. I'm finna go and kill one of my ops <laughs> and catch a felony. And I scammed a Spanish ass nigga. He was Mexican. I'm finna go to jail. I just ran over a pedestrian. Why my little cousin? Cause I found out he bisexual. And I saw the two-year-old kid a wee edible. I just slapped the fuck out of a nigga with freckles. I just <laughs> fucked the bitch that I bought her a pickle. I just fucked the. I mean, this isn't even. <laughs> no one actually listens to that Look, song. Look, 1.7 million. <laughs> 1.7 million views. Oh, no, I don't make this stuff up, John. This guy is famous. I just, I'm about to go to jail. I just ran over a pedestrian. <laughs> Dude, like I, I can't even take this seriously anymore. Dude, that's why. I thought dude. honestly, when you, when you started playing that song, I thought that like you it was like, like some bootleg like, back page. Yeah, stuff. like as yeah. in like this guy has like fourteen, you know, fourteen views or something like that. No, I, he has like one point seven on here. I he robbed my little cousin because I found out he sexual. John, please read this. <laughs> that's so out you of have line. To read this. Like I, I want come everyone on. to think How about someone like someone at some point in time <laughs> must have at some point like sat down and wrote this I would imagine like <laughs> oh dude like oh please think the mindset this, required to write what I'm about to read <laughs> definitely a finite mindset 
Go I'm on, mad go, as please. hell. The weed man just shorted or shorted my weed. I was trying to get all buzzed. This N word gave me seeds. I just scammed a basketball player named Abdul Kareem. Popped an N word outside the Walmart and fled the scene. I finna do donuts in a scat. Krispy Kreme. I just scammed an N-word who sells donuts at Krispy Kreme. I'm a finna respond to this bitch. DM. She want to have sex with me. I just bought a Louis fanny pack as an accessory. We bout to go and fuck this bitch together. Her name Destiny. I'm a finna go and kill one of my ops and catch a felony. Oh, and yeah, I dude. scammed a Spanish ass N-word. He was Mexican. <laughs> I'm a finna go to jail. I just ran over a pedestrian. <laughs> Please Robbed my little swag, cousin because yeah. I found out he was bisexual. And I sold a 12-year-old a weed <laughs> edible. <laughs> dude, how is this a song? Please just read this. I just slap. <laughs> no, dude, this is just ridiculous. Okay, either way. Austin, Austin, just read this. I'm no. not going to read that. Okay. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear the whole song, it's five full minutes. No chorus. Five, No chorus. It just keeps going. Just keeps going. Look okay, at so here, here is, in my opinion, somewhat of the dark side, by the way. Of all of all of this, like of you know of, oh. of the of the of the entire like previous discussion that we were talking about about how like you know here's all these things that make sense here's the idea of rejection finite oh. infinite games you get the whole conversation we just had right here is unfortunately the realistic quote to go alongside all of the idealism that I have and and faith in humanity okay here here's 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 a quote that sort of just Sticks the middle finger it? Okay. No. Okay. Okay. The truth is often avoided because it is ugly and unpleasant. Never appeal to truth and reality unless you are prepared for the anger that comes from disenchantment or dis disenchantment. Life is so harsh and distressing that people who can manufacture romance or conjure up fantasy are like an oasis in the desert. Everyone flocks to them. There is great power in tapping into the fantasies of the masses. That's the quote. And this is why... That was the wisdom. Just figured out this is sound effect. This, knowing that... <laughs> so, so this is why it's so hard to have change in the world. Is that as much as... There's these great ideas. There's all this wisdom. There's all these fantastic books. There's all of these wise people. There's billionaires that are writing. Like, you know, we, we were just talking about Ray Dalio's principles. He's a billionaire. Doesn't need to write this book. Donates all the things to charity. You have people like Bill Gates that are, you know, just doing fantastic things for the world. Uh, all, you know, just, I mean, people in your local community that are trying to just make a difference. I mean, all of this greatness. And it's in our human nature to fall for the con man. It's in our human nature to flock to the convenient. The thing John, that you know what's you know what's funny about that? There's a conspiracy theory going around right now that Bill Gates is is putting chips in vaccines against COVID. I know. And that know. and that I Bill know. Gates wants to vaccinate the whole planet so for his own malicious I intent. I know. 
crazy. So, and I don't know, man. You know, it's just so I don't know people, if it's true or but not. People but people flock but, to <laughs> these. Um, people flock to these uh, get rich quick schemes, and they flock to all these ideas that are convenient that allow them to live in these disillusioned worlds where they continue to be where they can continue to be ineffective and and um, narcissistic and just all obsessed with themselves. Um, yeah, so we can try and do our best to <laughs> fight that. We can we can do our best to fight the the wave of human nature. I was having a conversation with my friends. They were like, Amory, you know when you go on those uh, X-rated sites and you always see the same ad for taking this pill that makes you more masculine yeah. in size? Well, why do those ads have been running for like this? the same ad been running for 20 years? Well, if an ad has been running for 20 years straight, then it's guess because what? Because it's working. It's because it's working. People are clicking on it. And I'm like, holy shit. Save us, God. I don't know what to tell you. You know, I, people are flocking for the easy one, right? So there's but no even, magic pill. But even one step higher than that is that not only do they work, but they most likely work on you too. Not quite, not, not literally like that one specific ad, but that we, like we as in Austin, Amber, and John, also flock to these people we also fall for those you know those uh we don't yeah we don't always gimmicks. make the best decisions yeah we all we all fall for the gimmicks totally. right and and uh yeah you know what is you know it's something that you could reward yourself with that you don't have to fall for it's actually a really good investment is the weekly call merch store which is now live so that's uh that's something yeah. that that's we something have real that, merch. Yes. Not Austin's face. Co-branded with Champion. It's real high quality stuff. Shout out to Angie Lister, designed the whole store. Day one look, listener. Look, listen, listen. Just listen. shut it down. Like you, you guys know, you know, if you guys are listening to this, you guys know I really don't give a crap about merch. And I really wanted the the, the merch with Austin's face to fail. But I sat down and actually looked at these designs. And you know, I'm pretty frugal with my money, so is John. It was pretty unanimous. This is something that I would buy. Um, not only is it actually a great price, it's good quality, and the design is not in your face. So take my word for it. Just check out the website. It will be on our Instagram. Browse. If you see something cool, feel free to support the podcast. It would mean a lot to us. And, uh, you know, obviously we're so thankful that you listen here every week. We know who you are. You actively DM us. You ask us questions. And here's just another avenue for you um, that you can help support and look pretty swag. I mean, honestly, I I've taken a look at some of this merch. Some of it is really good. Mm -hmm. So just browse, um, see what you like. Maybe put it on your wish list. Maybe buy it for a friend. Christmas is coming up. Maybe buy it for yourself because you really earned it. If you're listening this far and this deep, you know, honestly, thank you. And uh, yeah, we just ask you to check out the store and, and let us know what your thoughts are. Couldn't have said it better is, myself. Is, uh, is, is, is awesome. So, Austin, John, any other closing thoughts? Nope, that's pretty much it. I think, uh, I mean, other than the fact that all of the prices on the merch store are like priced extremely low, we, we have essentially, we've priced zero profit and it's just for operating costs. So, like, Champion branded hoodie with our logo on it's less than 50 bucks for a Champion hoodie. I don't think you can find that anywhere else. Um, so, anyhow, this episode, I think, was probably my favorite. I'm just going to say that. Like, like, insane, like insane. out of whatever episode this is, 78 or 80 or something, um, you know, 
upwards of like 175 hours of recorded and released content like this probably my favorite hour and a half yeah I, I i made a commitment to myself ever since we met in bc that i would do more things that made me uncomfortable love it and sharing and sharing that story yeah man definitely good is, for you is, you created a kick-ass conversation and i i wanted to break down my ego step by step right yeah and i think this was a great step forward from now on my life is an open book and i'm happy to share my wins which i have many to share yet but i'm more than happy and excited to share my failures Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. And uh, have yourself a great day, evening, or night. Thank you. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. And just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.